0: This here is for you to hear it and go either you've been familiar with these terms and um, definitions before and now you go, cool, yeah, I heard that and hey, that guy's talking shit or or, um, whatever. (laughs) And then at least you can come up with it yourself. But if you haven't heard these terms before, now it's your time to get out there and practice it. Get out there and um, and, and research a little bit more and, and most importantly, practice with your dog. Keep on doing it. Now you can be more aware of where your dog's at with every command. How you should be rewarding. Don't reward every single time, all the time. Yeah. Your dog will stop doing the behavior, I can guarantee it. Yep. Because you're not always going to walk around with food. Now, that's why I could walk down the street and go into the fish shop yesterday. And I tell my dog's down. They're just down. I walk in. I come back out. Okay. They get up. We walk. No food. No lead. Nothing. They know to the do it. Because
1: for the down command, they're they're proofed. We're proofed. Yeah. Welcome to Life With Your Dog
0: podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts, and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live, and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs
1: to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host, Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host, Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Okay. Good? Yeah. All good? Yeah, all good. Episode 13. Woo! We are here. We're growing. Yep. That's it, man. I can't believe we're up to 13 already. Plus, you've done like maybe six or seven Q&As. Yeah. So, you, you had a look. We're up to like 19 episodes. Up to 19. Total episodes now. This is our 13th one with a theme and then the Q&As are every other week. Yes. So, I hope you guys are enjoying the content. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. we we'll
0: we'll getting some good out. feedback as well. Yep. Every week, getting more good feedback. Someone actually said Merry Christmas and 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 listened to one of the episodes and been... Um, she's been looking after a couple of dogs for a friend or something, and some of the things that she's been listening to, as well as the videos on Nutris Pooches, she's um, having a good time with it and been um, working on her training with them. And she says already day three, everything's going better than she expected. So,
1: Oh, uh, with ho- um, hosting a friend's dog, yeah, yeah, nice one, yeah. So yep. it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that's why you're doing it, right? It's not 100%. just uh, for the sake of it, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. we know that it's good to get people feedback. are listening. So yeah, send us your feedback.
0: Yeah, really appreciate it. I think it really does help the show keep going. What do you want to listen to? You know, like I'm going to keep coming up with ideas or both of us are going to start throwing things back and forth. But, you know, we're doing this for you guys to listen, not just for our own um, conversation.
1: So it would be really Podcasting can be um, obviously a bit – feel a bit one-sided because there's no audience here. We don't have like – it's not like we're on the radio with people calling in and you know what I mean? So – yeah, whatever feedback you have. Yeah, don't be that. shy. Yeah. If you if you so, don't want to
0: put it publicly on, on a post on our Facebook, Instagram, or email. Just, yeah, yep. email us, message us privately, whatever. Yep. All right. So today we're going to be talking about schedules
1: of reinforcement and different phases of training. Nice. So a little bit more um, technical than perhaps our last episode, which was a bit more of a bit more philo- philosophical.
0: Yeah. Look, we want to talk about the terminology break down the terminology and the definitions of what this means and how is it going to help for your training. Yep. And I know a lot of other dog trainers are listening too, so it's good for them to hear it, reinforce things that you've already know, maybe giving you a different perspective on it. Mm. But for people that haven't heard this stuff before, this is how we do in regards to working on teaching and training commands. So I guess we'll start off with a definition of positive reinforcement. Remember, when we're talking about positive and negative, we're talking about scientifically mathematical, we're talking about addition. So, positive being adding and reinforcement being something desirable that strengthens behavior for the future. So, when I talk about positive reinforcement, it means either giving um, a food reward, it's um, giving the dog opportunity to play tug or to chase the ball. These things are.
1: So, is a reinforcement always a reward?
0: Well, a reward is something that the dog wants. So, you could positively reinforce your dog by giving him a pat. You sure. could positively reinforce them by, um, for example, like the other day, Spades wanted to go for a swim and because and and, I'm at the beach, he knows it. And I told him then to down. He held it while I ran away from him. Then I then I told him to swim and he ran right. to the water. So-, so, the
1: swim was positive reinforcement. Well, it was reinforcing to Yeah, him. to yeah. hold that reward for holding that down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So- I don't have to do. It. I could just tell him sure. swim, and you can jump but in. But it's there. a training opportunity. Yeah, why not? Just Even just a minute or, or
1: thirty seconds.
0: Just give yeah. him a bit more stimulation. Yeah, and but yeah. So think of things as being reinforcing as something that's desirable to you, that better's your situation, mm. and hopefully, well, the point of reinforcement is to strengthen behavior so it can happen again. Negative reinforcement sounds so bad, right? Negative being removal, so subtraction, and reinforcement being something desirable. So. Let's talk about, in a human sense, it makes it a bit easier. When you jump in the car and you don't put your seatbelt on and you're driving and then the, the car um, starts making the ding, 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 it will keep on making that noise until you click your seatbelt in and then negative reinforcement, the removal of the sound is reinforcing. That is, in saying that, it means that the sound has to be undesirable to you for it mm. to... Be re- negative reinforcement. If you don't care about the sound and you can drive for twenty five minutes with a click um, beeping, then you put in the seatbelt and it doesn't be doesn't become negative reinforcement. It has to be something that it's a removal of the undesirable pressure or um, sensation.
1: Or until you unplug the seatbelt alarm, like my brother did in his car. There you go.
0: <laughs> and he should be wearing his seatbelt. So. I know. Yes. He
1: used to. He used to work at the bakery, like. It was, like, just over the hill from our house. Yeah. I mean, stupid teenagers. Yeah, They do stupid shit. And he was like, oh, why do I put my seatbelt on? And I was like, well, it takes a millisecond to have a crash. So, anyway, that story aside, he found the seatbelt alarm under the seat of his um, Subaru and, like, unplugged it. Unplugged it. it. Oh, the naughty boy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, um, hey, look, and that's training too. That's, like, ultimate negative reinforcement, right? Um, Anyway, so, those are some of the terminology for a dog. So, if I was to- when I put pressure on my, on the dog's bum to get him into a sit, I put pressure on, the dog sits, I remove the pressure. Negative reinforcement. Same thing with having the lead on a dog. If you've got your dog on a collar or on a training tool and you tell the dog to sit at the same time you apply some pressure, as soon as a dog's bum touches the ground, you remove the pressure. That's negative reinforcement.
1: So I was watching a show the other day and it was – Uh, Dog-dog training show from Britain and the dog was being really naughty in the living room and every time he did it, the trainer would take the dog um, by his collar and put him in the next room and shut the door until the dog calmed down. And then he would invite him back into the mm-hmm. space. So, that is- Well, him
0: removing him from there is negative punishment. Right. So, you've removed him and it's undesirable to be separated. Because he wants to be around you. Yeah. Yeah. So, that- And we're going to do it and we are going to do an episode on, well, the uses of punishment. How, What does it mean? How to use it? But I think you need to talk about reinforcement to give you an understanding of punishment mm-hmm. and how they both marry together and how they yeah. are part of the four quadrants. So, today we're talking about two quadrants. Um, well, one- Two parts of the question reinforcement, reinforcement, and
1: negative. negative. That's yeah, it. yeah. I still, I only use that as an example because I, I'm still fairly new to this and I still have trouble saying that they overlap this, yeah.
0: though. They don't, it's very hard to just separate negative punishment on its own, for example. So, if, so you'll
1: we'll say, like with the seatbelt alarm example, is that not also positive punishment because it's adding a sound positive to punishment. stop you?
0: Well, no, because it'll keep going. Until you do something. It's not like when you touch the stove, oh, positive punishment. Right. It is a trigger in that moment. It's a, it's a consequence in that moment that now next time you won't touch it. Right. So that's positive punishment. Mm. So positive punishment and negative reinforcement, they work on the same axis because it's more pressure induced or it, ha- it has more compulsions, more guidance mm. where negative punishment and positive reinforcement work on the same axis as well. Okay. So they, Everything works in conjunction, and you can. And as a good trainer, you should be able to know how to use all of them. And sometimes they're happening all at the same time. So, when we're talking about terminology and breaking it down rather than showing it, mm. it can get a little bit more tricky and it can become a little bit more confusing in your mind. But, um, but yeah, that the, the difference there, um, is when if if you jumped in the car and you started and you started driving and it went. And it got so straight away. You got a sharp sort of stimulation of like you started driving and by yeah. and then you got a big whack. You're like whoa, and then you you clicked it on. That would be you've been punished for not putting it on. But here it's compelling you to put it on. Okay, so it's un it, so with negative reinforcement, the pressure has to be less intense than than the reinforcement of it. So for example, like when that pressure goes on to that dog, if I say to the dog sit and put some uncomfortable pressure on, the dog's like, this is uncomfortable, and he can resist it, and he can resist or it. He can sit. And then as soon as he sits, it goes mm. off. He goes, ah, that's how I turn that off. Where if the dog knows to sit, and I say sit, and he doesn't do it, and if you were to give a sharp pop on the lead, so like for it to be a quick correction, and the dog then sits, that is then pu- you're correcting positive the dog. Your, pu- your positive, positive punishment. punishment, you're correcting right. him to do the right behavior.
1: Right. So they are similar but not the same.
0: Every, like it's all the same because we're working towards a goal of what are you trying to teach the dog? Yeah, what's the behavior? and then that's the point. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the jackpot. Then we'll talk about phases of learning. Then we'll go back to different sorts of reinforcement. So the, a jackpot is basically giving more food. For example, if you if you're marking, so yes and your reward, yes and your reward, mm. yes and you reward, and you're only giving them one treat at little a time, symbol sized, yeah, or just like one unit of food. Yeah. And then one day you say yes, or like in one instance you say yes, and then you give him a handful of food. That's a jackpot reward, Um, and he gets. And so it could also be like a variable reward; it it varies on how much reward he gets or the dog gets. So, Mm. um, for example, the other day when we were working with um, with a dog, we told the dog to down, and when we told the dog to down, no, we told her to sit, and then she went straight to the down and didn't do the sit. So then we applied some pressure because we, we said sit and she down, so the pressure went on. She's like, what the hell? She sat, went back into a sit. We released the pressure. Now, I, I told him in that case not to reward. He released by saying, okay, came back, told the dog to sit. She sat and then he marked and then jackpotted her. Now, with my experience and with things that I've been learning, because I did a little bit extra research before I come to this conversation today to make sure my terminology is correct yep. to science, because I don't want to confuse everyone. And look, we're always going to have different – Ways of explaining the same thing sometimes in, in every mm-hmm. industry, especially in the dog training world. But, um, but that variable rule now, something that's important is that, excuse me, is that when we jackpot the dog, I don't know if we're necessarily jackpotting the actual behavior, you're increasing the value of your marker, okay? So it's not like that was a good sit-take heaps of food, which it could be. And I think the dog may, in some situations, make the distinction, oh, that w- the sit was really good because I got heaps of food. But it's coming after the fact that it may not be for the moment of when the behavior was happening. But what it does is if you're consistent, mm. is that if your marker means one food or heaps of food or all of the food, then that marker, the word yes or you click, is increased in value because of your – variable reward, like you're giving different amounts of food.
1: Was that a website that you were reading?
0: Yeah, it was some, some- some
1: Something online? Something online. I okay, so I can put that in the show notes.
0: Yeah, I'll have a look. I'll yeah. find it. Um, but also we learn this through, like in the NDTF course, we learn about all the different schedules of reinforcement and everyone, like some people have different ways of jackpotting a the dog. They would either go mark and reward, mark and reward, mark and reward and just do that after a really good behavior and that could also work too probably. There's many different variations of how you do so it. So the
1: jackpot bit then becomes multiple multiple clicks or multiple yeses. Yes or reward. yes or yes. Yes. Yes as opposed to
0: one yes and a lot yeah. of food. But I think we're missing the point, right? And um just did a recent NEPO um um seminar with Pat Stewart yep. and he's like gone right into it, put a lot of thought and effort into it and also he's learned through the school through Bart Bell and stuff. And he explained it well is that and I think of what we're saying now is that when we learn, and we, it's called the so the um, Robert Sapolsky is a neuroscientist, and like he's and there's a five minute video. We can probably put this up as well because I think it's very important. Five minute video about talking about the dopamine jackpot, mm. and he's talking about when there's monkeys. Again, I'm probably going to butcher this, so definitely watch this. Stop it right now. Watch this. We're going to put in the show notes. Watch it, and then Robert come back Sapolsky. to this. Robert Sapolsky, dopamine jackpot. If you just typed in on YouTube, it will come up. Yeah, five minutes. Anyway, so just real quick, he talks about monkeys get pressing a button and getting a reward. Let's just call it bananas. He, so then the monkeys are there. The light goes on. And when the light goes on, it means that now when you press that button, you'll get a reward. If you press the button before the light's on, you get nothing. So the monkey's there. That happens. They press the button. They get food. So let's say there's, a, there's 50 is the unit of dopamine that they yep. get, let's just say. When they started to – Introduce. You oh, know, this kind of goes into intermittent. And so reinforcement. They're, they're
1: obviously measuring the dopamine monkey's in his brain somehow. While this right? Is happening. Yeah. Is
0: that when they would give a lot of food? Sometimes when they introduce the maybe again, this isn't just about jackpot. This is also about intermittent reinforcement. It actually improves the the um, it increases the dopamine, so the pleasure chemical of what we feel. But again. I'm butchering it, don't listen to my words, sure watch Can this. rest the video but the but the point here is that when the signal goes on, when the light goes on is when the dopamine came, so it's when I ask the dog to do the command is when it should bring on the the good feeling right. rather than getting the reward okay so then that's why you um so you so then that's why so back to the point about using that marker in the jackpot is that we want the marker to be like a oh my God feeling I don't know what I'm going to get, but it's coming. Like it's when you're in the, in a, yeah, when you're in the poker machine, you yeah. you're ding, 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 ding. you don't know is it the jackpot or is it just the five dollars that you're going to get? Yeah. But it's certainly not nothing, mm. so you don't know what it is, and that's why you whoa, you're ramped up, and that's when you find out what it is. So, so
1: the idea is the mark increasing the value of the marker.
0: Yes, yeah, and that's something that I realized more recently, mm-hmm. and I think that makes it oh, wow moment is that – it's not like that, but even though the behavior may be really good and you can jackpot it, and I still believe you should do that because I think that there still is merit in the dog knowing that behavior paid really well. Last time I'll do it again, but the dog's doing it for the marker, for the click or the yes. Mm -hmm. So, And then if that marker is like super, super awesome, then that's the best thing to do. So – um. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm going to watch the video as well. So. Yeah. yeah. Right after this, we're
0: going to watch it together. Um, and again, I didn't want to go- I, I could explain the experiment, but- and I've watched it a few times, but just watch it for yourself. It just gives it much more. Yeah. And he's,
1: he's smart as- so. It's like what we were saying in the last a couple of episodes ago, like you need to watch something or listen to something like- Was it 16, 16 times, times? To really understand it. That's so. right.
0: And then do it, right? Yeah. So like- Again, talk, and there's a bit of pressure as well, having the microphone and saying like, now I'm held accountable for what sure. I say. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about the phases of learning. So then there's the learning phase, the training phase, the proofing phase. Now there's three phases of a um, for each behavior that you're teaching for your dog. A the behavior being l- a command: sit, bed, down, down bed, come. Yeah, that's yep. right. So when we're in the learning phase we generally how i train anyway is you by using luring so if i have a young dog and i've got the food in front of his nose i lure him into a sit as i lure the dog into position by raising your fist so up i in raise the air. yeah sorry um the people in the camera can see me or well, the audio only well, the audio, people yeah you put, and like it's basic luring you put the dog the food in front of the dog's nose as you move the food up over the dog's head he looks up he looks up his bum naturally hits the ground you then mark it and then reward it now, you don't name it until you love it. You don't name it until you get 10 out of 10 repetitions, successful repetitions in a row. That's the best way to do it in this As context. As in, you don't say sit. We won't say sit until the dog knows the gesture. Because if I raise my hand up and I'm saying sit, but he's walking back or he's jumping on my hand or he's biting my hand, right? then we're then I'm marking. The wrong behavior. I'm, well, yeah, I've created a command for something that I don't want. Okay. So, just in this case, he's still getting the signal, which is the luring. That's still a nonverbal command. Well, it will become a nonverbal command over time, but he's following. So you're ruler. not even saying, look, are you? I don't say nothing. You just get the, the food, there. he knows it's and there, it. and he follows yeah. it. And that's it, goes up. And then as soon as he goes into position, I mark it and reward him. So in this learning I'm Marking phase, it with a yes. With the yes. yes yeah, Or, or a or whatever yeah, you do. Yeah. So how I do it, and it's going to be a little bit different for trainers as well, how I choose to be teaching my clients and how I've done with my dogs is that for food, my marker is not a release, so they call it not a terminal marker. Mm-hmm. It is a durational marker, like I want them to stay in position until I verbally use the word okay. Right. This changes depending on what you want from your dog. From my experience, I'm learning that the re- – because it, I think it's better, <laughs> and this is where um, the paradox comes. Yeah. I think it's better to – like how I treat – how I reward Nookie for, with the ball is that I give the marker B-A-N-G. I'm not going to say because she's right next to me. She probably started thinking she's going to get the ball. So, I would give the marker and she breaks position to get the ball. Mm-hmm. So, when I tell her to down. So, for example, I did um a video I put up a couple weeks ago. I would call her to come, touch, roll. I gave her a, ra- a, a range of commands. Then I marked it and she ran off to chase the ball. So, I've now released her out of behavior. To get the reward. Where with food, I teach it that it's, I'm marking it and rewarding you, but you're staying in position until I use a, a verbal okay. The reason why I figured out why I'm doing it and why it's going to help with my clients' dogs, and I probably won't do it with my next puppy, I'll do it a little bit different, is that I'm trying to keep the drive under some sense of control. Because the discipline of always, ha- like, so for example, if I tell the dog, so when I'm, because so back to the example, I'm luring the dog into a sit. In the learning phase, it doesn't know what sit means. So in this in this phase, you have to reward continuously. You have to reward every single time. Yeah. You lure him. You say yes. You reward. You can say yes, reward, yes, reward, yes, reward, and then you can release by saying okay. And that way, there the dog learns. The longer I stay in the sit, the more food I get. Where in other systems would be you lure him, you say yes, and then you reward them by coming out. Like the reward is a release right. as well.
1: That's when it's terminal.
0: That's right. Yes. Yours is a duration. Durational for yep. food. Yeah. Now, there can be holes in it, but it works for pet clients because we're trying to keep their drive under a sense of good control, especially around food. When we you don- say their drive,
1: you mean their drive to come out of the,
0: out of the sit? I don't want them to be too explosive because people can't control their dog when yeah. they're too explosive. Like you tell the dog to down, the dog downs for five seconds and you say yes and the dog flies towards you to get the food. That's that's good, especially mm. for working dogs, mm. for higher drive dogs. And if you can do it with good timing and good discipline, then I think it works really well and I and I, and I do like it. Mm. And I do do it with – I would do it with a particular dog for a certain thing, but I like to have a bit more calm, focused behaviour and I think it works better that way. And again, I may change all of this. So when I do, I'll let you all know. <laughs> um,
1: and that's it. I like It's a constantly, constantly, constantly evolving thing. I think I was – Pat – and I, I think it was Pat was saying this on one of their episodes, like, I think when they were interviewing one of the big heavyweights of the industry, it might have, might have even been Bart or someone. And they were saying, like, so much of dog training is just, like, people think or people may assume that, like, dog trainers have all the answers. But, like, most of the stuff that's been shaped into a, a theory now is just, like, trial and error. Yeah, it's, and like, it's repeating everything. didn't every work, this worked. Stuff. Yeah. You know?
0: I didn't make any of this up. Yeah. Um, I've been taught it. I'm now offloading it. I'm giving my own twist to it. Yeah. And that's what everyone does. It's not like a new sort of builder comes and builds something differently. It's like, no, no I like the way he builds the house. But yeah. they, they're, in theory, it's it should be relatively the same. Mm. But, um, But, yeah, so- for example, when I taught this bed command, so if the cameras screen, even if we could point it to them, is that my dogs staying on the bed now? I told them bed; they have to stay there until I release them, and they'll stay there for the whole duration of this video, probably like forty five minutes, yeah. Um, until I release them, they're like they and they know not to get off there. Now, how I would teach that is by using my dura- my durational marker. So I would say yes, I reward them, walk away, yes, and reward them until I say okay. So that's so, okay. Hope that makes sense. I've so gone on a bit of a yeah, tangent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, back to learning phase. You reward every single one, and you don't name it till you love it, and you're doing this in a environment where there's not much distraction, so you do it at home or in your living room or in your backyard, but don't try it's best not to do something when you're trying to introduce a new command where there's so much, too stimulus. much stimulus yeah it's just, it's going to be very hard, and the dog won't pick it up,
1: get stressed so just quickly on that, a lot of your um client sessions are obviously like. On the esplanade or in a park or something like mm-hmm. that. So, how do you mitigate that if you're trying to teach? Those are all a like third or fourth sessions. Right. So, so first session, you're generally doing it at a at client's their house. their house or at my house. Yeah. So, where there's less in things a quiet happening. space. Yeah. Yep.
0: I don't want to teach a new command. It will be unfair for the dog not setting them up for success. Sure. And they're just not going to do it either. Yeah. You can probably start introducing some things, but then it's best to go home and practice them. If it's like, oh, hey, practice this command, I can kind of show it and the dog kind of does it, but they have to come back home and get it it going. So then from your learning phase, you're then going from your training phase. So your training phase is when you're introducing commands and then you're so now we're going to talk a little bit about intermittent reinforcement. So that's how everything's going to kind of ebb and flow. Maybe I should have talked about that before. But anyway, continuous reinforcement is your reward every single time. Intermittent reinforcement, also known as variable schedule reinforcement, is that you are rewarding some of those times. It could be every second one. It could be every random one. Every, like, you, so for example, intermittent reinforcement, if there's 10, um, if I tell you to sit 10 times, I may reward the first, the second, the fifth, the sixth, the eighth, the tenth, for mm. example. Mm. So, random that the dog doesn't know. it. That actually improves the likelihood of the dog doing the behavior, less prone for it to become extinct because we've now introduced the maybe. It brings on this sense of, well, I don't know if I'm going to get it, so it's best if I always do it. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of um, counterintuitive. If you think, oh, but if you reward every single time, that should be more prone because it's more steady. Well, the problem with continuous reinforcement is that you expect it every time. Yeah. You don't reward four times in a row after doing it 50 times every single time. It's more prone for it to become extinct mm. that's why He's when like, you're-
1: well, you're not giving me food, why should I do it
0: and that's why when a dog barks in the backyard and you only sometimes let the dog in for barking, it actually makes it barking even stronger. That's why you never let the dog in if it's barking if you don't want it to bark never, ever, ever. and then um and then you continuously let the dog in when it's not barking where if it then that's how we strengthen behaviors because sometimes we give in. do you know what I mean sure, so it can strengthen behaviors doesn't mean good or bad when I say strengthen behavior it just means the dog finds it desirable or undesirable yep. now if you can if you can mix your jackpot with your intermittent reinforcement that's when we get now the dog's like all right this is cool i'm now at the jackpot i mean i'm now at the slot machine I, I, am i going to get it and what yeah. am i going to get
1: yeah um, it's amazing how primal like you talk about um po- you know pokies and that sort of thing and it's the same thing with social media man it's like yeah. these these uh, machines these algorithms uh it's not a fair fight like the they're playing with the most primal part of your brain mm-hmm. and it's the same with the dog and that shows you like if the dog and the human has very similar structure in the way that they're Dopamine is regulated in mm-hmm. terms of reward systems. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very well, like, ancient part of the brain.
0: Well, we're talking all about this, like when we talk about the four quadrants, positive and negative reinforcement and punishment, they, they, this is called operant conditioning, conditioning yep. or instrumental conditioning. So, it means that behaviors have consequences. You do something and then there's an outcome for, from yep. it. So. They learnt all of this stuff, like when Skinner and and the pigeons were, and with all the other animals, he was doing these like these new findings and science mm-hmm. experiments with. They weren't doing it for us to be good dog trainers; they were doing it so it was like, well, how do we manipulate and control people,
1: humans? Well, yeah. how do we
0: learn more yeah. about the human psyche? The, the so, dog
1: side of it was the side effect. Was you
0: good. just you start with the animals, with the rats, and with yeah. the pigeons, and with the dogs, and then you go, all right, well, does this apply across species? And then when it does, you're like, cool, how does it apply? And then so they didn't do it so we can all be good dog. Because we've learned and we've made best of that's why with Pavlovian conditioning or um, classical conditioning, that when we're using our marker, is that that was that was accidental finding anyway. Mm. But when he found it, he's like, Well, we now can apply it to our life as well. So that's very important. So Hard to explain some of these, because I am going to talk about when is appropriate to use a form of punishment, negative or punishment, I mean negative or positive. Mm -hmm. But in our training phase is when we can start then going, now the dog knows the command. If you ask the dog to do it 10 times, the dog should do it 10 times in a row. That's when now you should start introducing more distraction. Go out to the driveway, up the street, you can start now. Um, compelling the dog, you can start using some negative reinforcement. Now, you could start using negative reinforcement for your learning phase as well. I would suggest probably better to – it goes both ways. um, If you're teaching the down, for example, sometimes it can benefit the dog, depending on the dog, is that you can mix your negative reinforcement with your positive reinforcement by having the dog on a harness or a collar. You apply some gentle, unpleasurable – um, pressure and it could just be annoying. So a little bit in in the in the direction you want it to go. So you hold it down. You get you lure you lure the dog at the same time. As soon as the dog lays down, you release the pressure. You reward, and then you say, and then you do that, and then the dog learns. Oh, that pressure isn't because at first it's opposition reflex. You feel pressure in one direction. You want to go pull opposite, back, right? Yeah. So we're teaching the dog the direction I'm putting you in you You should move in that direction, and good things happen. That's why we I like as a technique to te to, to put a dog on on its collar, put a little bit of pressure in one direction as the dog starts moving in it, you release a pressure and you reward them and That's how we start using leash pressure for our training because you want to guide them into certain positions, physically manipulate them as well as lure them, and then reward them so mm. mixing the both together is is really advisable. You can start this in the learning phase, but for everybody that's just listening and trying this at home with a puppy or something. Just do it purely positive, just with your lure only. Once we then start, the dog understands the behavior, and once you've started attaching a word to it, then you can say, for example, down, put the pressure on. The dog's like, what's that sensation? That's weird. As soon as the elbows touch the ground, you release the pressure and you reward immediately, and that's when the dog learns, I'll remove the pressure, gain reward, and then that's where we get – um. Uh, it becomes more beneficial so when the dog doesn't listen or doesn't follow through with what you've asked, then you can at least make it happen as well. And it's not a stressful event. It's actually just like if you were to grab your child and take them towards the house instead of going to their friend's house. It's not like you're dragging them and hurting them. You're guiding them back home yeah. using, using compulsion or, or pressure. And also in the, tra- in the training phase is when you can then start working on um, – Intermittent reinforcement. So, in the learning phase, it's all continuous. Now, in the training phase, we're intermittently. I was going to ask that.
1: So, each um, schedule can be more is more appropriate in certain re- uh, certain schedules are more re- appropriate in certain phases. Yes, right?
0: yes. You don't. You shouldn't intermittently reinforce in the learning phase, right? Because you, yeah. you're trying to build that. We're, we're trying, trying to behavior. show what it actually yep. is. Yeah. And then from there, with and in the training phase, now most of the time, to be honest, people stay around the training phase. Their dogs stay in the training phase for a very long time. They can move to the proofing phase, but you would notice that it kind of back and forth from proofing to training. Because mm-hmm. proofing – okay, we'll go to that in a second. So, training phase is when you can now start introducing punishment to behaviors that the dog – that you know the dog knows. Sure. You cannot punish a dog for a behavior. It for know. behavior <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't say down and yank him and crank him for it. It just makes no sense. You yep. shouldn't yank and crank anyway. But – um. But I generally use more negative reinforcement than I use punishment, but there are times where you certainly use punishment, especially. Now, there's two sorts of punishment. One is to make the dog correct. If the dog, if you've told the dog to sit, he doesn't sit and you give the correction, that's making him correct by doing the behavior. Um, there's other times where you just never want the dog to do a behavior. Like, for example, if I'm sitting down and he jumps on a child, I haven't taught him not to jump on a child, but I will give him a punishment for jumping on the child to learn that, yeah, that's never okay. So just don't do that. You don't have to learn what should I do. Now, obviously, if I've told you to sit and you don't sit, you jump, well, then I'm correcting you for not sitting. But if I'm just sitting there hanging out and the dog just jumps at somebody and I give them an um, an aversive stimulation, so I've given them a correction, I mean a punishment, then that should weaken behavior for the future. So that's a little bit about that. But in the training phase, you can start introducing these um, negative um, reinforcement and positive punishment to now show the dog what he's supposed to do. And then the proofing phase means that you're – and, again, these are all very, like, broad definitions. We go into more detail when we actually doing training. And my training manual is being written. Hopefully that comes out soon and all of it's in there. It's on the list. And you learn from it in the the National Dog Trainers Federation. Um, This is where I got a lot of my learning from. So if you want to learn more about dogs and you live in Australia, definitely hit up NDTF. And um, you do an eight-month course and –
1: yeah, it's the only yeah. government recognized. <laughs> um, trade
0: I wouldn't. Trade. I wouldn't hire anyone if they haven't done the NDTF. Of yeah, course, straight out. Um, all right. So, and then the proofing phase means a dog will do a behavior every time in any environment. Period. That's a proof dog. So I would say that Spades is down. Stay is proofed. Now, for example, I will go to a new house that I've never been before. Spades hasn't been there either. I can't keep him in the car. It's too hot. I bring him out of the car. Hello. Spades looked at me as soon as I said his name. <laughs> he wants to go for a walk, I think. So we get out of the car. I put him in a down stay in front of the client's house in the shade, so it's not hot. Mm. I'll be in there for an hour. Now and fifteen minutes, sometimes I'll, I'll come outside. He's still in the same position in his down. He's probably moved into a bit more of a comfortable position. Maybe yeah. not holding a sphinx for the whole time, but again, that's not his requirement. So oh, you mean
1: like he might even just lay down?
0: Like he may just like lay down Put a bit more comfortable, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But like maybe not lay down. Like right now he's on his side. He probably wouldn't do that. He'd be like still in a down but a bit more comfy down. But where- still
1: reasonably alert. Yeah, he's yeah. still like he hasn't moved yeah. basically. He knows he's working.
0: You have to stay there until I release you. End yeah. of story. Now, obviously it took a long time to get to that. And some people may say that's bloody slack. Would you sit for an hour in one spot? I'm like, well, yes, I could. So- um, <laughs> I so, could could I you could. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so um, if you're going to ask your dog do it Birdie Oshidi said something on Canon Paradigm recently she goes it's unfair to tell you like it'd be unfair to tell your dog to hold it down say for 10 minutes if you can't hold it down say for 10 minutes I'm like that's a pretty good point it's fair so thank you for that mm. it makes a lot of sense now I like to practice that sort mm-hmm. of discipline and um i probably don't do it as much as spades does it but i can do it and i will do it <laughs> yeah. so anyway just,
1: just yeah just because someone who's critiquing that can't do it doesn't mean that you can't and that's not right. yeah yeah
0: now he can do it dogs will walk past him he's off the lead he can do whatever he likes but he chooses not to do it now of course if he's in danger like if a dog runs up to him or something he will break position and i'll allow that he's not a dog that i'm in competition where he has to hold a sphinx where like bum and elbows are square on the ground and he's holding right. it like, a, like the Sphinx statue. Um, that I wouldn't do for an hour. Probably is a bit much on the body. Um, but my point is, is that that's a proofed behavior. Now you now there's never in any of these schedules, I mean, in any of these phases that you stop rewarding, you still should be rewarding, whether that's just intermittent or more intermittent yeah. in this proofing phase. So, like, there's times where I'll be in the client's house and I'll be like, I'll be back in a couple of seconds. I'll go outside and just boom, just randomly reward him to spades, yeah, to spades. Um, <laughs> sorry buddy <laughs> every time i say, say his name, name he's up. popping up sorry man you're a good boy Just relax hey so um so yeah so that's that's the proofing phase it means that you are not having to basically correct the dog yeah for breaking position that's when you know your dog's proofed most people will have the dog in a training phase and you can that's manageable the dog understands it will do it um but management has to be in place. Mm. So my dogs can be off the lead and I can call them to come and they will come. So it's a proof of the behaviour. Um, their downs and their, and their recall and their bed commands are all proof. Those are the three most important ones that I want fully proofed and everything else isn't as proofed. Like, for example, when I tell him to speak, he doesn't speak every single time. And also like, I wouldn't correct him for not speaking if I told him to bark on command because that doesn't make any sense to him. So you need to be wary and you've got to know your dog as well. Yeah. So these are more of a guideline. Not as a
1: set. This is what you should. Yeah, I mean, speak is like a trick. It's not a safety thing. It's not that's like true. Yeah. you know. And if he breaks and- a sit or he breaks it down. It's more about him being safe. Speak exactly. is like it's a cool trick. It's like I do it, speak.
0: and also helps with the clients that I'm with. For example, <laughs> yeah, sure. like if I need the dog, if I need him to bark to stimulate the dog to like be more focused on the owner or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's important. So that's a little bit of that in a nutshell. Now. Obviously we can talk about these forever and ever and ever, but remember that when we're using operant conditioning, and as we said before, and I think this is very important, even when I was doing the course, um, all these years ago, it's like, oh, I, there was times where my mind was like, Ugh, what yeah. is happening there? Because even classical and operant conditioning, they mix and they merge yeah. together. Like hearing the clicker is, is classical conditioning, your body's like, wow, I'm getting rewarded now. It's reflexive. It yeah. just happens. Yeah. Um and when you are in operant conditioning and the behavior, like for example, you jumping on the child getting the correction, for example,
1: mm-hmm.
0: could still be like they they can link up, right? So obviously you want to use them all wisely together. So you definitely have a good marker if you want to make these phases um successful mm. and it takes hundreds and hundreds of repetitions to create reliable behavior. So don't rush any of the phases. Your dog won't lie to you. If your dog has gone. So a good example is I trained. So I was in the training phase of the role with Ace. I tell him roll and he would roll on command and I didn't have to reward every single time. I know he's in the training phase, which then means I'm now ready to start doing it in new environments and put more expectation on him. That's the point. And I think that's the reason why I did this today is to learn what phase, what command sorry, what phases is each of your dogs commanding and when can you expect him to do it? If you're just teaching him to come and he does it just okay inside the driveway, no, no, inside the house, just okay in the house, don't call him when he's running to a dog. Like you're just going to weaken the command. You've, you've messed up by letting him off the lead, for example, mm. have that dog in a long lead and set him up for success. So he gets repetition rather than calling him 50 times and then losing that command. So with Ace, I taught him to roll. It was awesome. Big mistake. I told my drunk mates. Well, I showed them the command. Again, this is before I was like a real dog trainer or anything. So I didn't, I wasn't super strict on my friends and drunk assholes were roll and roll and roll and roll. And they probably asked him to do it like- Too many. Way too many times, yeah. 50 times maybe. Yeah. Maybe not 50, it's an exaggeration, it. yeah. 20. But never got rewarded for it. They never reinforced the behavior. Right. So you know what happened the next day when I told him to roll? He wouldn't do it. He actually didn't know to do it. And I was like, damn it. You've so I have to- in, yeah. Went back to the learning phase, get back my lure and lure him with food. So we can talk a little bit about how to reinforce and this important. So- um. If I am – so I generally – so let's talk about the roll. Yeah. I would use food and I'd lure him into a roll by having him into a down. You put the food in front of his nose. You lure it around his body as, as long as he's following it. I'd probably reward randomly depending on his effort because you don't go and just expect the roll straight away. Teach a dog to keep in position while his head turns towards his back. Reward that because some dogs you lure that way, they'll get up and follow it. So you want him to stay there so then you can go over his spine and then as his body follows – and he f- rolls over. Then you do that over and over again until he starts understanding the gesture. Don't name it till you love it. Does it 10 out of 10 times. And you say, cool. I like that. Now we Name say, it till you love it. Yeah, it's, it's a good a, one. It's yep. a dog trainer's um, little lingo. Yep. And then we then go, cool. We do a 10 out of 10. And then we say, now we say, roll. Do it. Roll. We do it. Roll. We do it. Then you have no food in your hand. You will say, roll and do the gesture. The dog will then do the roll. Then you can mark and reward it. And then that's when you start entering the training phase where then you sell him to roll maybe two or three times in a row and then you can reward him either with food. I generally would start rewarding with a ball or a tug in the training phase. Now, the reason for it is because I really prefer to teach a behavior with food first. So with a roll, I can't teach him to roll with because Ace's highest mode of – highest reinforcer, well, a primary reinforcer was a ball. Mm. So ball would be anything. I throw the ball over food. He would ignore all food for the ball. So I knew that that was his best, but that's a very erratic – high drive mm. reward to get him to do a specific focused behavior. So do it with food. And then once I got it, like I've done the same thing with Nookie. So now I tell her to roll. She does it. I give the marker for the ball and I'll throw the ball. And they say B A N G. That's right. <laughs> and um and doing that, I now have more success. I can do it without the gesture now. I can stand still and say it. And now we're going into a proofing phase where I can say roll and she'll do it. Yep. Um so you want to start introducing ball for your training and your proofing phases, don't do it in the beginning. Now, unless you're shaping a behavior. Now, free shaping, well, luring is still shaping. You're shaping the dog into into positions. Free shaping is when you allow the dog to do the behavior on its own with no guidance. So you stand in a blank room, an empty room, and let's just say you want the dog to sniff the container. Right. So, then you stand there, the dog looks at it, you can reward. Like you were doing for your course. But, like, yeah. So, what I did with Ace, in the learning phase of teaching Ace to do the scent discrimination, the he had to yeah. find the Vegemite and ignore the nine other empty containers. Yeah. That I was in the training phase with- i mean, in the learning phase with the ball, but I was free shaping. I wasn't luring him. So- Hope that's not too confusing. Everything's kind of very overlaps. It overlaps yeah. and there's no set rule. Things ch- always change yeah. and also maybe there's things that I've forgotten to say because I'm not in the moment doing it. And I think that's another thing about the practical s- craft of dog training is that it's very intuitive hands-on. and very yeah, hands on. Yeah. And then trying to put it into words specifically so someone can take it as gospel and then use it can be challenging. So yeah. and I'm still we're still new at doing all of this too. So um so forgive me if I've gotten some things wrong. I'm only human. Um, and also they do overlap. It gets a little bit tricky because I just said don't ever use a ball for, lo- for learning phase. But then when we're doing free shaping, I, f- I feel that I could. But, um, but again, we're talking about everyday, um, owners in this for this advice here. And what I do with my, in my training practice is that this is how I like to teach it. And that way, there we get more clarity. As well, yeah, where free shaping it, it's good because it opens a dog's mind up, like for example, if you go, I'm just going to wait until the dog starts to give a behavior and maybe I'll mark it like let's just say for example, um and like that's why you see like these like re- like really cool dogs doing some really cool behaviors is because they use free shaping properly, like for example, when the dog like i don't know when the dogs like do certain behaviors like for example, when they can put their hand over their eyes, like you don't yeah. really yeah. shape them to do it with food. You would wait for a behavior to kind of look towards it. Mark and the dog then starts learning and showing all Larry Crone put up the other day where um, he was with his Malinois and he goes, I'm just going to do a free shaping session today. And this is really interesting. He um, he stood in the yard with his dog and just stood there. I think he just clicked a couple of times for food just to show him that, hey, we're doing free shaping. Clicker. Here with his clicker. Yeah and the dog went to the hardest behavior so she started to attempt to do the um stand on front just her legs, front legs yeah. like to basically do a handstand yeah and um and he goes that's interesting she could have done a down or offered a sit or done some other behavior that she knows but she went to the hardest behavior first because mm-hmm. that's what free shaping does it keeps your dog thinking yeah doing the hard things as well and challenging thinking that maybe get rewarded Anyway, so he did that for about seven minutes. He did a little quick session. The dog was, like, doing a really good handstand at the end of it. And he goes, boom, jackpot, and he gave the dog whatever that was left. I, I think that's what happened. And – um and that's how you keep the dog thinking and moving and going, what are we doing? What are we doing? Let's mm-hmm. work together rather than always having to be guided. So luring is good. Don't neglect luring. Physical manipulation is good. Don't ignore that. Um, free shaping is good. Don't ignore that either. Use all of them. They're all tools, right? They're all tools. Don't, yep. don't Like some people say, no, I don't put any pressure on a dog. Fair enough. That's for you. Um, But for me, I want my dogs to know how to handle them. I go, no, 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 this way. And I put a bit of pressure on the side of his body. I want them to know, oh, if I'm using my lead, Pull them towards me, like you want these skills, especially for a dog that can't. If you're not going to invest all the time that you would that, as a dog trainer would to have every single thing on command, you know. So I think why that's, limit
1: why limit yourself in the tools that you. It makes no sense. Now, yeah. no one's
0: saying beat your dog and push them into behaviours no. where you have to. It's like you want to compel the dog to, to to work harder.
1: Right tool for the right job in the right hands. Of course,
0: it's it, it's it's a no for me. It's a no brainer. Mm. Um, people have been doing it for so many thousands of years doing this. Like they didn't have. Um, the, all the sophistication we do. So I think using just the only newest thing and ignoring the past would be a foolish thing to do. Um, and to go, only go traditional and not go new would be also foolish. You, you need to be open. So mm. hope that's triggered some new thought patterns. And this here is for you to hear it and go either you've been familiar with these terms and um, definitions before, and now you go, cool, yeah, I heard that, and hey, that guy's talking shit, or or um, whatever, <laughs> and then at least you can come up with it yourself. But if you haven't heard these terms before, now it's your time to get out there and practice it. Get out there and um and and research a little bit more, and and most importantly, practice with your dog. Keep on doing it. Now you can be more aware of where your dog's at with every command how you should be rewarding. Don't reward every single time, all the time. Mm. Your dog will stop doing the behavior, I can guarantee it. Yep. Because you're not always going to walk around the food. Now, that's why I could walk down the street and go into the fish shop yesterday and I tell my dog's down, they're just down. I walk in, I come back out. Okay, they get up, we walk. No food, no lead, nothing. They know the door. Because
1: for the down command, they're they're proofed. We're proofed. Yeah.
0: And- um, d- That depend- is proof. That's proof, yes. yeah. Well, with Nookie, I think we're still weak. we kind of back and forth. Mm. I don't do as much as I probably should yep. with her. She's pretty reliable, but do you I- Do you think
1: that's because she doesn't work with you as much as Spades does?
0: I've had her for less time. Right. Um, I haven't done enough work, like- She's still really good. Mm. She'll hold her down while I duck off for yeah. a minute. I wouldn't do an hour with her. No. Uh, I certainly wouldn't expect her to hold her down when there's a child around because she likes kids and she'll go up to them. Yeah. And things like if a dog as came I up saw to her, her. your thirtieth last. Oh my god! What well, how <laughs> funny was that? She's the life of huh? the party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there are a few things. So I think she's still in the training phase of the of the down, mm.
1: but still pretty good, right? Do You think? Um, like, like, use the fish shop as an example. Um, she's out with she's with spades. You think having spades there. Yeah, influences. It, it's a good example. I think it. it definitely influences because yeah. if he was running around like a mad dog, then why would she follow? Sure. So
0: it does influence. Now, the other day I had to, I was at a client's house and they couldn't be in the car. They're both with me. So I tied her lead to his collar because I knew he was going to hold it down. She, I wasn't sure if she was going to hold it for that 20 minutes I was inside. And. Admitting it now, I came outside and she was out of the down and she was sniffing something. So but Spades hasn't moved. So Spades stayed there. So yeah. what I need to do is go back to the drawing board with her and get her from that tra- that training phase and and proof it more. So, um, but again, twenty minute down Spades. stay. We're asking for a, a lot of um a lot yeah. from the dog. So he's and
1: he's again like <laughs> Wake up.
0: Yeah, dogs are maxed out. Yeah. yeah. So hope that answer. And definitely, if there- if there's going to be any questions about anything, there's probably going to be questions about this one. So, mm. don't be shy. Let us know. We can always do a Q&A and elaborate more on it, answer anyone's questions. Um, if you want to critique me or um, go, hey, man, I don't know if that's true or not. So, I'm, a- I'm always open to all of that. I'm not shy of any of it. And um, hope you enjoyed another episode of Life With
1: Your Dog podcast. Number 13. That's it. And um, like you said today, we did um, reinforcement. So, we will at some point do an episode on- Yeah, why and when to use punishment. Yeah. I think that's important. Because you have to balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that you are an um an operant trainer. Yes. Yep. And classical conditioning too. Yep,
0: And a balance trainer. That's what I mean. Yeah, ba- yeah balance balance yeah. trainer. We 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 use we yep. we use what works and we do it with compassion. You do it with good integrity. And
1: ninety um, with- percent of what you do is is positive reinforcement. Rather, so, 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 much, what I've
0: seen. so much reinforcement. Mm. And look, you're not going to escape using pressure on your dog unless you have him in a vacuum somewhere. You've got to have him on a lead. You're, you're going to use negative reinforcement regardless. Yeah. Frankly, partners, halty. Yep. Whatever.
1: Yep. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And Thank we'll you. see you next time. That's it. Cheers. Thank you for
0: listening to another show of Life With Your Dog please like rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast you can also find us on instagram facebook and youtube for all dog training videos tips and techniques visit noocherspooches.com.au thank you and stay tuned for next time